But yeah, James, week three, we looked at uh, the first couple weeks, we looked at chapter one, and just a powerful book, just really a book that uh, is one of my favorites because it's clear, black and white, gives us practical ways to really follow Christ. And um, I'm excited tonight to turn the mic over to uh, Luke Frechette. He's from South Beach Church in Newport, and we're excited to have him. He's going to share the beginning of chapter two. Give it up for Luke. Absolutely. Hey, everyone, give Chad one clap. All right, put that meme back up there. I want to hear some memes. What do we get for this? You got that picture? Anybody got a good one? Just somebody stand up. and What'd you get? Somebody got, come on, help me out here. You look at his face. You know he's thinking about the Oregon State Beavers right there. This could be the year. That's what he's thinking. What you got? Yeah, you got it? You got to explain this one? <laughs> All right, that's good. That's good. Well, hey, you guys, take your Bibles, open up to James chapter 2. And then while you're doing that, as soon as you guys are done, let's all go ahead and take a selfie because if we don't do a selfie, it didn't happen. Now, are selfies still cool or is it just my, is it my generation? Selfies cool? Here's the deal. I have, I have 12,000 selfies on my phone. And so if you have more selfies than me on your phone, I'll buy you a phone. Okay? Go ahead and check your phones right now. If you have more than 12,000, I'll buy you a phone. I'm just saying right now. You've got to level up. Level up. Get on my level. I'm just kidding. I would never do that. But anyways, anyways, I would do that. I'm crazy, man. Hey, check this out. We're in the book of James. Man, that's radical. I can't remember how long ago Chad texted me, emailed me, or did something. He's like, Luke, will you teach on October 11, 2022? We'll pay $10,000, man. You've got to just come in. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But he said, just will you teach? I said, yeah, I'd love to, man. Let's book it. Let's get after it. And he said, here's where we're going to be, in the book of James. Have you guys ever read the book of James? Man, James is cray-cray. This guy's out of control. James is like a full-throttle punch to the throat. And while you're recovering, he needs you where it counts. Have you read James? It is where the rubber meets the road, and he's telling us how it is. But here's my point that I want you to wrap your mind around, because James is a pretty crazy book. As a matter of fact, it's so crazy, I highlighted every single verse. <laughs> what was wrong with me? Right when I got to chapter 5, I'm not kidding, it's ridiculous. I got to chapter 5, like my highlighter broke, and I stopped on verse 7 for some reason. But anyways, it's all highlighted. But James is next level, and here's the point that you guys already know about if you're a Bible student or you went to the first session James is Jesus' little brother. He grew up in a family with Jesus. Abby just gave an amazing testimony. I mean, it's crazy. She grew up in a family with Jesus. Most of you probably did. I'm just going to guess. It's a Bible study. It's Tuesday night. Maybe you don't know this is a Bible study. Lock the doors. Ushers, don't let them out. <laughs> you had a Bible study. You guys probably grew up in a family with Jesus. And, and Abby grew up in a family with Jesus. She just gave us her testimony. And, and her, her faith was shallow by her own definition. She hadn't been tested yet. And you guys know that when you go through a testing time, your roots will go deeper. It's what you're designed to do. I don't want to be tested. I just want to have fruits. I'm not worried about my roots. And yet God says, I want fruit in your life. I want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and meekness and self-control. I want faith and I want hope and I want love in you. But it's not going to happen without a deep root system. And listen, you're not going to have a deep root system without some tests. And because life's crazy, I know you guys have all been through some tests. And because you're all out on your own, most likely, 
at college, first year, second year, third year, fourth year, whatever the deal is for you. Some of you guys are graduated and serving now. I promise you, I know you've been through some tests. And I want to encourage you. James had been through some tests as well. And he, he failed some of them. You guys remember in John 7 when Jesus was on his way to the, one of the holidays. that They lived in Galilee, he and his family. And, and they were on the way there. And his brother started making fun of him. They didn't like Jesus at that time, not in that way. And they started making fun of him. So why don't you go up to Jerusalem and prove yourself, man? You're so, you're so holy. You're so, and, 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 and they weren't believers until something happened, until Jesus died on the cross. Listen, and he rose from the dead. And James saw that that was his brother. And he'd seen him die, which is amazing. Can you imagine somebody dying in that fashion? You've all seen the passion of the Christ. Most people, I don't even know if any of them really knew. Maybe Mary. Nobody really knew that he was going to rise from the dead on the third day. Like they'd missed that whole part. They just checked out when he was telling them. And so when they saw their brother brutalized, oh my gosh, and just agony, the deepest, darkest test you've ever been through. And then on the third day, Jesus shows up again. He's like, psych, you know. <laughs> he beats sin and death. Radically changes their lives. This is the best part. Radically changes their lives. And all of a sudden, they're all walking this way. And all of a sudden, now they're walking this way. I'll tell you what, I, I, I believe that God wants to do the same thing in your life. Maybe he already has. Maybe you're already on that path. You're on that mission. You grew up in a Jesus a family, a Jesus home, but you weren't all in. And then you went through a couple, you know, rough sledding days, some white water in your life. And now maybe today, maybe today, maybe you're not there. Maybe somebody, you know, tricked you into coming tonight. But maybe you're in that season of your life where you're like, I'm all in. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I can do this. I'm all in. No turning back. No turning back. I used to be a drug dealer back in the uh, late 90s early 2000s, and when I got saved, I got out of Jackson County Jail in 1998, and when I got, how many of you guys were not even alive in 1998? Okay, put your hands down, stop. <laughs> the 90s were rough, bro, you know, and so when I got out of jail, I remember I stopped dealing drugs, and, and I've told this story before so many times, and I had this pager, pagers, back in, you have to look it up, go, use your Google machine, pagers were before cell phones, and, and people would call you and leave their number, you would call back, and, and when I got saved, I changed my, my voicemail, my pager, and instead, I said this, instead of the drug dealing guy, I said, I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'll call you back. I'll call you back. And man, I got in trouble with some people because Jesus changed my life and it wasn't easy. There was a call in my life. As a young person, God told me he spoke deep into my heart the revelation of Jesus Christ through his word, that what his word was is true and that he had a plan for my life. At age eight years old, living in Bend, Oregon, I'll never forget it. And yet I didn't co-op with the Lord until I took some rough days. I just want to encourage you. I'm not sure where you're at in your journey. The prayer time we prayed before we began tonight, and one of my prayers was is that the Lord would give calls tonight, confirmation of calls for those of you who are on mission. You're sold out, fired up. Maybe you're a little banged up from the world, but you know what you're doing. It's not easy, but the Lord would confirm that call in your life tonight. You say, yeah, let's go till the end, till the wheels fall off. But there would be another group of people that tonight would be that night where you say, yeah, what the heck am I doing? What in the heck am I doing with my life? Where am I going? And maybe it's a, a shaking that's going to happen in your life. It was awesome. Uh, me and Pastor Toby, he's in the back there. We work at the South Beach Church together, and we rolled over tonight. And we were driving over. I was like, dude, let's go like 10 minutes early before real life because I want to eat some of that chipotle. Man, that chipotle, you know, that, is it chipotle? Chipotle, Chipotle, let's go get some Chipotle. And, and so we were walking in, and my buddy Josh up there, he saw us from a distance, and he's like, oh, I'm going to go get some Chipotle too. And he, he came up next to us, and we ate together. And, and Josh doesn't know this. I'm going to say something he doesn't know. He probably knows this. 
But I prayed for Josh before, years ago, years and years ago, with his dad and with some other people. And we labored in prayer for him. And I prayed for him more than once. And so when we had dinner just now, hearing Josh's heart, I was like, hey, what's going on in college, man? What's going on? I'm a junior now, and I'm this and that. I'm, I'm working at the varsity house, and I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, man. Just, man, it's so awesome walking with other guys in the Lord, holding each other accountable, and just being about the, the, the business of Jesus. And, and he didn't know. I was sitting there going, dang, dude, that's an answer to prayer, because he grew up in a Jesus house. But even if you grew up in a Jesus house, there could be a season of your life where you're like, I don't know. If I want to go all in, I don't know if I really want to represent everything about the kingdom of God. In James, Jesus' little brother, and he's one of the best examples of somebody who knew Jesus better than you'll ever know Jesus. Listen, rejected Jesus. <laughs> Whoops, James, you blew it, you know? And then, he, <laughs> and then he got right, and instead of just being lukewarm or double-minded to quote him, he said, I'm all in. There's no partiality with me and the Lord. And I wish I could stand up here and say, hey, my name is Pastor Luke, and I've been married 21 years, and I've been a pastor for 22 years, and, and I've never had a bad day, never had a wandering in my thought, never went off trail. Every single day is a battle. Every single day. And my ho hope and heart and encouragement tonight is to, like you guys, strengthen myself in my resolve. We're going to sing a couple songs at the end of this time. Strengthen ourselves in our resolve to stay the course. To be Christians, to be on mission, so encouraging what you guys are pulling off here at Real Life. Packing out the auditorium, filling this place up, encouraging each other, being the salt, being the light. Keep going. It's not going to get any easier. How many, <laughs> how many guys think life's going to get easier like after this next term or you figure it out? Raise your hand if you think it's going to get easier for you. I'm going to come up there and slap your hand down. This is a silly revelation. The Lord just spoke this to me the other day. I'm 44 years old. I know I look like I'm 22. It's cool. But uh, the Lord said, the Lord kind of spoke to me. He's like, Luke, have you figured it all out yet? <laughs> I was like, not really. He's like, yeah, you're 44 and you haven't figured it out yet. 44 years of going hard, doing your best, and you haven't figured it out yet. And the Lord's just kind of reasoning with me. He's like, do you think maybe you'll figure it out by 45? And the logical answer is like, no, no, I won't. I'm still going to be grinding and fighting and running and racing. And the Lord just kind of said, okay, well, then stop being a baby. Settle into it. Settle into the fight. Don't worry about this next thing and this next battle. And, man, as soon as I get that figured out, oh, then it's going to be easy. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's still right, though. You guys ever run a race before? 5K, 3K, 10K, 50K? Who's running 50K? Raise your hand. Yeah, me and this guy. In the, you th oh, you, he's, he's, not, he's not sure. <laughs> he's like, I don't know. <laughs> it felt like a 50K, you know. <laughs> 5K, bro. Anyways. When you run a race, man, there's some times where it's fun, other times where you just got to walk for a minute. You got to slow your roll, but you just keep going. You, I've run a 50K. It's 31 miles. It took like six and a half hours. It took 15 years to recover. It's horrible, you know? And, <laughs> all right, check this out. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and we're going to read 13 verses of the book of James. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your word. It is power. Lord, you've preserved it. You've proven it. You've provided it. And we want to take full advantage of it tonight. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, would we open up our hearts to your word and let your word have its way. Lord, would you wreck us? Lord, would you just go right where it matters most? Would you just do in us, Lord, what you want through James? Not every book is orchestrated the same. And James, I believe, looked at the, the early church. This might be one of the very first letters ever written in the New Testament, right around the year 40, 42, and just real early. And James was looking at this scene, looking at his brother, Looking at what was going on, he said, all right, guys, listen up. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would do that tonight. 
Lord, even as I wrestled with this passage over the last couple of days and weeks, Lord, just reading it going, whoa, that's heavy duty. Letting it search my heart. Would you search our hearts and would you help us to rise to the occasion with the help of your spirit for the glory of your kingdom and for the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. James 2, let's read it all the way to verse 13, lest we miss any parts. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. That's the principle. Notice how he speaks of his brother, the Lord of glory. His faith, the faith of Jesus. Verse 2, and he gives the principle, or should I say the picture, that illustrates the principle. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel and an organ duck's jersey, and there should come among in a poor, I'm just kidding, and there should also come in a poor man with filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you sit there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and there and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Does not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he's guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, that should be on your list, by the way, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. As I mentioned before, James just gives it to us hard full throttle, trying to drink from a water hydrant. How many guys in here do CrossFit? Raise your hand if you're a CrossFitter. All right, never mind then. Next, next. <laughs> what I meant to say was, anyways, let me talk about CrossFit. You know how somebody does CrossFit? You know how you can tell somebody does CrossFit? They'll, they'll tell you. They're just like vegans. They're the same thing. <laughs> I'm a vegan. It's like, eat this chicken and be quiet, you know? <laughs> I kid. I kid. Anyways, Crossfitters are mentally ill, okay? They got problems. <laughs> because they'll be like a program. We call that the workout, like what we're doing. And we'll look at the program. We're like, oh, that's nasty. And then like the next movement's even nastier. Like, oh, that's going to hurt, you know? And they're like, oh, that last one is going to kill us. And, and you know, this is nuts. And if you're not puking, blacking out, or dry heaving, like you did it wrong. And yet there's something addicting about it. I'm not sure what. I've been doing CrossFit for eight years, and, and we just love it. You know, we love to, the pain and the, the trauma and the chaos and, and all. And I would just say this, guess what? There is truth in God's word that is going to rub against your flesh. It's going to go against your lifestyle. Okay, God's word is offensive to your flesh. Matter of fact, if you haven't been offended by God's word, okay, everyone says, oh, that's offensive. Well, I'm glad you are offended. If you haven't been offended by God's word, it's because you're reading it wrong. It's meant to change you. It's meant to get into your life and say, we're doing it different. We're going to heaven, okay? We're supposed to be different down here in a good way. We're supposed to have some identification on the outside, some evidence, we'll call it fruit, that makes us different than the world. Now, how many of you guys, don't raise your hand, but how many guys struggle with trying to just fit in with the world? 
I want to fit in with the world. I want to be like this famous person. I want to be like this trendy TikToker. I want to be like this. I want to do this TikTok. I want to do this thing. (laughs) That was bad. (laughs) Anyways. And yet the Lord says, hey, I've called you out of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And so when the Lord teaches you something in his Bible, in his word, it's countercultural, counterflesh. It's not a bad thing. It's like CrossFit going in like, oh, man, that's going to hurt. That's going to cost me something. I'm going to leave a different person. My soul's going to die, and I'm going to leave different. And sometimes when the word of God rubs us the wrong way, it's not because the word's wrong. It's because I'm wrong. So often we try and edit God's word. God's word is designed to literally edit us. It's designed to change us. You know God's word will renew your mind? Sometimes people say about Christians, man, you guys are crazy. You're all brainwashed. To that end, I'm like, absolutely. My brain needs a thorough washing. (laughs) Does yours not? Hello? You know, rinse cycle. Let's go. I need a brain renewal. And the word of God's powerful. It's able to restore your soul. It's able to change you. But again, if your flesh gets worked over, so I'm I'm, I'm working up to teaching the passage. But when I was reading this, James just is like, hey, don't show partiality to people. You see a rich guy and a poor guy, make sure you treat him exactly the same. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, wow. How many of us do that? The reality is, is we're all very partial. We're partial to everything. If you see somebody with an Oregon Ducks jersey or sweatshirt, you guys are going to treat them a little differently. You know, you're like, ah, loser, you know, whatever. And we all just do this. So it was really interesting as I was processing this today, James says, look, Don't do that because God shows no partiality. And if you show partiality, listen, in anything, the chances are you're going to show partiality in everything. You're going to be partial. I'm partially in and I'm partially this. Just like James already said, you're going to be a double-minded man. Instead, what he says is, no, I want you to love everyone exactly the same. Now, let's just trip out for a second. I think that's the simplicity of what he's trying to teach us. Hey, love everybody exactly the same. Stranger, best friend, family member, Christian, non-Christian. What if the church treated every single person the exact same and esteemed them better than ourselves and loved them in the image and the eyes of Jesus Christ, their creator? What if we did that? What would real life be like? What would the impact of Christianity be on planet Earth if we just loved and esteemed everyone better? But the problem is, is our carnal nature still exists. Raise your hand if the person next to you has a carnal nature. Raise your hand, you know, carnal, it's sinful. They're sinful. Brand new boyfriends, girlfriends, like, no way, bro. This guy's the best, man. He told me so. (laughs) What? So let's get freaked out a little bit. Look at verse one. James says, my brethren, I love James. He's such a, he's just, he's leading the church. Can you imagine your older brother gets executed? He rises from the dead, beats sin and death. He ascends into heaven. The gifts are given. Peter gets the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's in charge to a large degree. But James is like a family heir. James is like one of the original leaders of the church. And he says, my brethren, my brethren, my family. The family has grown. It has changed. Verse 1, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. And then he, That's the principle. And then he kind of unpacks it in the rest of the 12 verses, I believe. And the principle is, guys, this is Jesus Christ's faith, the Lord of glory. <laughs> this is a big deal. This will freak you out, man, when you realize this, that if you're a Christian here tonight, you've been called to represent Jesus. It's not your kingdom. It's not my kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. 
And when James levels with this way, he's like, this is his faith. He's the Lord of glory. You're representing him. It's way easier than to do what you've been told to do. When you don't understand it, when your flesh resists it, he says, just, just do it. When you under, and, you, and we learn this from Jesus. See, Jesus is, I, I don't want to say crazy because people get offended when I say that, but when I say it, I mean a very high compliment because Jesus is crazy. <laughs> I mean, he is, I can't say it, he's nuts, okay? If you called me crazy and nuts, I'd say thanks for noticing. I appreciate it. <laughs> Jesus was next level. You guys remember in John chapter four, they're on their way to Galilee, you know, going up north. And then Jesus is like, we got to go to Samaria. And they're like, we ain't got to go to Samaria. That's not the way it goes. He's like, we have to go to Samaria. And Jesus leads the boys to Samaria. And they go to Samaria. This is a crazy story. You guys all know it, John 4. And they're in Samaria and they're all hot. They're like, oh my gosh. And Jesus says, go to 7-Eleven and get some snacks, dude. It's ridiculous. And Jesus says, I'll be fine. Just leave me alone. I need some downtime. So they all bounce. All 12 of them bounce. They're going to get some Gatorade and some Cheetos and stuff. And Jesus is hanging out and this woman shows up. And Jesus smiles. Now, men didn't speak with women in those days. It was culturally unright. Jesus didn't like their culture. He said, no, I, I kind of like women. They're, they're, they need to be honored as well. And so Jesus honored this woman, elevated her, and esteemed her. But she wasn't just a woman. He wasn't just breaking down that cultural barrier. She was a Samaritan woman. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. They were a different ethnicity, a different race, a different breed. And the Jews looked down upon them. And the Jews would never even entertain them. And Jesus said, you know what? I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I'm actually going to show you what I do like. And so he hung out with a woman who was a Samaritan. And not only was she a Samaritan, but you guys know the story. She had five husbands. She was kind of loose, and she wasn't really dedicated, and she was kind of living her life outside the box. And most people in those days wouldn't hang out with, listen, people that were kind of rough and around the edges and doing silly things. And Jesus said, I don't really like that. I like and love everybody. And so Jesus hung out with this lady, this gal, John 4. And when he began to talk to her, the best part for me in the story is this woman kind of pushed back. She's kind of fired up, you know, kind of fights him a little bit and Jesus wouldn't have it. And pretty soon she's like, you know what, man? All I know is this. One day, the Messiah is gonna show up and he's gonna show us everything we need to know. And Jesus looked at her and he said, he who speaks to you is he. I'm him. And he revealed himself in his deity, in his salvatory mode, more clearly to her, a woman, a Samaritan, somebody who had gone outside of the marital bounds. He revealed himself to her more near, dearly and clearly than anybody else. Now let's just pause and ask yourself this. You who are believers here, and I would hope most of you are, if you're not, we'll give you a chance to become a believer tonight, like James. You can say, I wanna, I wanna do this. What am I doing with my life? Let's go. But for those of you who are already on the J train, you're already going to heaven. You guys know what's happening. And you need to check your pulse and say, what am I doing? Do I love everybody or just the people that love me back? Do I love everybody or do, do I just love lovable people? Don't you love loving lovable people? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm such a good Christian around lovable people. Like I'm, I'm such a good Christian. <laughs> it's around the unlovable people that I kind of get weird. I kind of pull back a little bit. Like, oh, I'm not going to love that person. person goes to Stanford. It's ridiculous, you know. You guys know the beat. Anyway, Stanford, it's a different school. And while I was studying this this morning and, and throughout the day, it was so rad because the Lord said, Luke, what if you just did it? I live in a small town, Newport, like 10,000 people. It's right over the hill. And I, I, <laughs> my town's so crazy. I was at Fred Meyer sitting in the parking lot praying for this lady. And I saw like four people I walked by and two people more I walked by and a person walked by. And I, I know everybody in town. It's crazy. And that's kind of fun at times. Other times it's not so fun. But mostly it's fun. 
And so what I did today is I drove by the, the homeless corner. You guys got a homeless corner here with home, the homeless camp, you know. I drove by there, and, I, and I, my windows are tinted, murdered out, black on black on black on black, because I'm crazy like that. And so I rolled down my windows, you know, and I rolled down real slow, and I hung out the car, you know. I was like, what up? And I saw all the homeless people, and I started waving, like, what up? And I, I know all these people. They all know me, too. It's so funny. And they all started waving, hey, Pastor Luke. I was like, what up? You know. Son, he's having a good time. I didn't have any money for him. I didn't have anything for him except smile and real love. Real, because I just was reading this verse. And the Lord's like, hey, Luke, go, go, go love people. Just love everybody. The person at Fred Myers that you're praying for, that you really, you've been in a relationship for a long time, love her so much. Barbara, I'm just so thankful for her. Prayed for her. What about the other people that are hurting? What if we did this? I'm going to read it again. He says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. That's all he's saying. He doesn't even have to unpack it for us, but he does. He gives some pretty hard comparisons, but he just challenges us. Let me read to you out of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. A bunch of Gentiles, a bunch of cuckoo heads, a bunch of pagans who, who just got saved. Just like you guys. Anyways, it says this. It says, for he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace. Listen, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, listen, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Stop right there, eyes up here. What Paul's saying is, is there's no difference between people because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's radical. If you're a believer, you truly can honor every single person, male or female, old or young, in or out, on or off, up or down, doesn't matter what's going on. You're allowed to, Jesus was our model, love people unconditionally and even love people aggressively. I must go to Samaria. No, you don't. Yes, we do. Man, I got to go there. I got to hang out after church and talk to these people. Man, I got to get outside of my comfort zone and, and help others. I have to do this. Most of you in here, by the way, are probably aware of the law, the commandments, the things that God asks us to do, the do's and the don'ts and the rights and the wrongs, right? You guys are aware there's some stuff you got to do as a Christian, amen? Okay, two of you know this. Anyways, the rest of you will figure it out. Let me know when you get your parole officer. Anyways, there's some to-do's. There's some laws. And James goes on to say, look, if you want to fulfill the royal law, kind of interesting, Remember that? I read it there. The royal law. We've actually summarized it differently. We call it the golden rule. The royal law. Love others as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. We've kind of summarized it in our day and age. And what James is saying here is don't necessarily just worry about your moralistic, therapeutic, deistic pursuits of godliness. And you should have a kind of understanding of what's right and wrong. And we're probably all aware of the issues of the flesh and the weakness of our hearts. But really the issue that the Lord's looking at is the way we love and serve other people. Wouldn't it be crazy if you spent the rest of your life just trying to be good? Don't look at that thing I'm not supposed to look at. Don't do that thing. Don't, don't, enjoy, don't enjoy that thing. Oh, the, world, oh, the big bad world. And I was like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm trying not to touch anything. It was like, I'm just trying to go to class. Ah, you know. And the Lord's like, wow, you are really preoccupied by the law, which is good. Because the law is good. You know what would be better, though, is if you were just loving people. Because if you were loving people in my name, you actually wouldn't be worried about all of these distractions and all of these temptations. I promise you, it's actually, it's actually, it's actually the solution to all of your problems. 
Jesus was asked one day, hey, what's the greatest commandment, bro? What's the greatest commandment? Jesus like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the guy's like, all right, sick, man, I'm out. And the guy's like, and? And he's like, well, there's more? Uh, and Jesus said, and the second commandment. He's like, I only asked about the one. You know, Jesus is like, and the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. And this guy stopped and he's thinking. And then Jesus expanded. He said, for on these two commands, hinge and hang and swing and are connected all of the law and the prophets. All the other stuff you're worried about right now, everything in the Old Testament, all 613 commandments, all of the things we gotta be worried about, guess what? They're all connected in loving God, loving others. You're never gonna have another problem the rest of your life if you fulfill these two commandments. Love God and love people. I promise you, this is Jesus' words because all the other stuff's connected to that. And yet what happens is, is we don't wanna love that person. Well, they're just kinda outside my whatever and kinda weird. I don't really love them and man, I love that person over there. And, and, and we're partial. And because we show partiality in some things, we end up showing partiality in all things. Before I lose you guys in the sermon mode kind of deal, what if you decided right now, just say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to esteem others better than myself. I'm going to love others unconditionally. I'm going to do it. Most of us, and I'm not going to fault you guys in this. I've been in your position before. I'm married now 21 years. I have three children. I'm still just a kid with gray hair now. But most of you guys are insecure, worried about yourself, worried about where you're going, what's gonna happen in your life, what other people think about you. Most of you probably spend the majority of your thought life thinking what other people are thinking about you. And those people aren't thinking about you, they're thinking about what you're thinking about them. Nobody's thinking about them, thinking about you, thinking about them, or them thinking about you. Everyone's thinking about themselves. It checks out, watch the tape. And so if you chose to say, you know what I wanna do? I don't wanna, I don't wanna get caught up in that. Jesus was next level. He didn't take any thought for himself. He only ever sought to bless and to minister and to serve others. And so James now here, who's leading the church, says, guys, you want to get this right? Okay, it's going to be full throttle CrossFit workout. This might make you puke. This might make you pass out. This is going to be against your flesh. It's going to change you if you truly take it to heart. Don't think about yourself anymore. Love other people. Do it. Go for it. Try it. Don't worry about yourself. And I've said this from the pulpit from so many times, but the number one way to become depressed I'm not a doctor, but I can prescribe depression. I'm going to prescribe depression right now. If you want to be more depressed than you already are, get ready. Just think about yourself more. Write it down. Just think about yourself more. If you're not depressed enough already, just think about yourself some more. I, I'm not messing with you. Trip out. And if I, I can give you, I'm still not a doctor, okay? Asterisk, don't sue me. I can give you the prescription, though, for anti-depression. Take no thought for yourself. And the depression will leave you. The anxiety will leave you. I promise you. When you truly fulfill the royal law, love other people. Just love them. Be that guy. Be that gal. Who cares what they do to you? What did they do to Jesus Christ when he loved people unconditionally? Put them on a cross. Spit on them. Rejected them. Mocked him. Don't, and they're not going to do any of that to you, by the way. It's just not going to happen. Okay? Not, to that, not to that degree. You might be a martyr. That is, you're going to have to give yourself sacrificially a little bit. But Jesus even said, are you better than me? Remember when Jesus said that? Are you better than me? Is a servant greater than his master? Are you better than me? They did this to me. I loved everyone unconditionally. Well, did it work for you, Jesus? Absolutely it did. Changed the world. Changed the world. 
Christians are supposed to be different. We're not supposed to blend in. We're not supposed to react the same as the world does. The world gets pushed. The world gets offended. The world gets tipped over, and the world reacts accordingly. Christians are supposed to turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, continue to serve, love, and give. And when it feels like, I want to quit and throw in the towel, Jesus will say, don't quit. Pick up the towel and wash someone's feet. Do it. Serve others like my older brother, Jesus Christ. This will change everything for you. I'm the pastor at South Beach Church. I've been there for 12 years. And more and more as I lead, the Lord just simplifies my job description. Just love the people that are in front of you. Love the people beside you. Love the people behind you. Love the people that God's given to you. It's not that hard. Jesus did this, and if you choose to believe that, God's going to bless you first and foremost. Remember when Jesus asked his disciples to feed the thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and they were so bummed. They're like, Jesus, just send them to Chipotle. They're not closed yet. Just do it. Remember? And Jesus is like, no, you feed them. And, like, and they came up with another excuse like, dude, we only have like two Lunchables and Peter already drank the Capri Sun, you know. <laughs> James ate the Reese's Pieces. They're like half Capri Sun, you know. And Jesus said, that's perfect. And Jesus said, you feed them. Sit them in groups of 50, 100. Oh, man, sucks. Sucks, sucks being a Christian, you know, is what they thought. Read it. So they started feeding people. Here, 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 you know. They were bummed. And they just kept feeding people, like, what the heck? This is so weird. We should be out by now. What the heck? This is crazy. This is kind of fun. This is, I don't even know. What, this isn't even a Lunchable anymore. This is salmon, you know? And they started feeding people. <laughs> and at the end, you guys know the story. At the end, they had 12 baskets left over, overflowing. Each one of them got hooked up. They're like, this doesn't make any sense at all. We wanted to go get some rest and relaxation. Remember the story? We wanted to go rest. Jesus said we were going to go get rest. And instead, he made us work. Made us love people, made us serve people, show up early, stay late, say yes to everything. He made us get after it. And we did what he said, almost begrudgingly. You guys ever done the right thing even though you didn't want to do the right thing? Please raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, you're like, no, I didn't want to do it, so I just didn't do it, you know. <laughs> Come on, that's why we do CrossFit, man. I don't want to do this, let's do it. Clock starts, puking, you know. And when you start serving because Jesus said to serve, when you start obeying because Jesus said to obey, I promise you, I promise you, because Jesus promises you, you can't outgive God. You gave a little bit. You sacrificed your flesh. You decided to abstain a little bit. Oh, so hard. And you look down, and you have a basket full of fruit, produce. See, the world wants us to serve ourselves. We're so self-serving, aren't we? How do you feel? What do you want? What's going through your mind right now? We should probably listen to those voices. We should do whatever you want. You should just follow every impulse in your body. You should do everything you want. Eh, don't do that. Don't follow your heart. The Bible says your heart is wicked and deceitful above all, and nobody can know it. What you need is God's word to search your heart and give you a new heart. And James here has had that happen. And he gives this illustration. He says if a rich guy shows up and a poor guy shows up and you give the rich guy favoritism, man, you've shown partiality. Careful of that. And I think when he said that, it's like everybody's guilty. We're so guilty. We all show partiality. It's one of the best parts about this portion of scripture is nobody's like, that's not a message for me. I didn't get anything out of the message tonight. Did you get anything out of the message tonight? All of us are doing this. And I think for the rest of our life, we're going to struggle with this. As a matter of fact, Peter, 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 pumpkin eater. You guys know Peter. Simon Peter. Simon Peter, Bar son of Bar Simon Peter. 
Peter, man, he was one of the greatest disciples, and he got saved, and then Paul got saved. And one day, Peter went up into, like, the Gentile area, and he was hanging out with these Gentile Christians. Okay, this was a real big, like, big change, big deal, hanging out with people that weren't from his family lineup, and he shouldn't even be with them. And he's hanging out. This is so crazy. Nice to meet you. You're a believer, too. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Is that a ham sandwich? Can I please have a bite? You know, and he, please have a bite and eating bacon and ham. You know, he never had any of that. And then all of a sudden, you guys remember the story? And then all of a sudden, the Jews came up from Jerusalem. And Peter's like, oh, uh, this never happened. You know, and he went over, and he tried to hide. Remember? And Paul busted. Paul's like, what are you doing? You were just hanging out with all the Gentile guys and then some people from Jerusalem showed up and you pretend you didn't know them? Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. And, and Peter had to learn that lesson. That encourages me. Hopefully that encourages you also. Because we're not going to always get it right. We're going to come up short. I wish it wasn't, wasn't the case. Like I said, I've been a pastor for like 22 years. <laughs> I laugh because I should be further along than I am. But I'm learning. And God's grace is sufficient for my needs. And doesn't it awesome that God's given you another opportunity, even tonight, to get out of your own head, out of your own life, get over yourself, okay? God made you for a special reason, a specific reason, and it's not for you. The reason he made you is for others, good, and his glory. That'll freak you out. It's so rad. I'm so thankful. I don't know where Chad's sitting, but I'm so grateful that Chad invites me to come speak here. And I was praying in, in my truck with Toby before we got out. I said, Lord, thank you for choosing me. I get to come pour into other people. I'm just going to be here for a little bit. I'm going to drive home, and I just get to give. Wouldn't it be awesome if every single one of us said, Lord, make my life count for your glory and for others' good. Help me to bless people, not be so consumed with myself. And James gives us this picture and this understanding. He says in verse 5, listen, my brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him. This world is exactly the opposite of God's heart in the kingdom of God. God has chosen the poor of this world to be heirs of the kingdom and to be rich in faith. Th think this through. Trip out because we have an inverted kingdom. I mean, if LeBron James walked in the back right there, we'd be like, oh my gosh, it's canceled. Everybody run, get him, you know, and we'd run over there. Maybe not LeBron James, maybe somebody else. And God says, oh, no, no, I, I look at things differently. When the woman came to worship at the temple, she had like two mites, not much money. And she was giving alongside of guys that were giving large amounts of cash, I mean, big cash. And Jesus noted none of the big givers. But when this woman gave, Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you notice how she gave? Not what she gave, but how. She gave out of her abundance. She's a poor woman. She gave everything she had. And Jesus was like, dude, that was sick. That was dope what just happened. And the guys were like, I don't know if it was that sick. I don't know if it was that dope. I was like, those are pennies. It's kind of weird. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't look at things like you do. I don't look at things like you do. Matter of fact, it says this in the Old Testament. You guys have heard this verse before. Where's that verse at? There it is. 1 Samuel 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Dude, 
There's so many hearts in this room right now. There's so many hearts on this campus. There's more hearts on this campus than you're ever going to be able to touch, really, if you think about it. It's almost overwhelming. It's almost overwhelming. I kind of want to go back to Newport where I can, like, handle it. There's too many people here freaking me out. But there's enough hearts, souls, people, where God says, if every one of my believers, my sons and daughters, would just love two or three, maybe four or five, 10 or 12 people a day, not the high and mighty people, love them too, duh. But God is saying here, hey, there's a whole bunch of people that I've created. As a matter of fact, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, God must love the common man because he made so many of them. It's an interesting, thank you. There's a lot of people to love. And what if the Lord would say, let's just do that, real life. Let's do that. Let's, let's not show partiality. Let me just say what I believe James is wanting us to understand, though. God has chosen, this is a trip-out statement here, because we take people who are on the Forbes 5,000 list, 500 list, people who are in the headlines, people who are in the media, people who are famous, and we're like, dude, that's that one, that one, that one, that one. And the Lord says, well, actually, I've chosen the poor, and you can define poor however you want, to be rich in faith. When Jesus Christ came to planet Earth, he was born to a poor family. He chose the poor family on purpose. I'm going to come up with great faith. Jesus said in one of his teachings, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be filled with righteousness. I want to say something because this, this, this teaching can be very offensive, and I haven't really taken all of it out. We're not going to have time tonight. Just because you're rich doesn't mean you're righteous. Just because you're poor doesn't mean you're sinful. And just because you're poor doesn't mean you're righteous. And just because you're rich doesn't mean you're sinful. You can be rich or poor. That doesn't matter. The heart of the issue is an issue of your heart. You can be bitter at God, bitter at the world because of your poverty. Or you can be grateful for the life that God's given to you. Or you can be generous and grateful for the wealth and the privilege that God has given to you. So when James here helps us to be those who love unconditionally, rich or poor, he's not saying don't be rich ever, be poor, but what he's saying is it's just love everyone unconditionally. Don't be partial. That's going to be a tidal wave that's going to change this campus. That's going to be a tidal wave that's going to change the world. That was the tidal wave that changed the first century. When Peter went into Cornelius' house, by God's divine instruction. And Peter got there and he's like, hey, bro, just so you know, I'm breaking every single rule that I grew up with. I'm not supposed to hang out with people like you, but God told me to do it. And he began to preach Jesus to them. And as soon as he preached forgiveness, the Holy Spirit fell on that people group, Cornelius' household, and they all got saved. And the Gentile or the rest of the world, everyone got saved, thus demonstrating God's heart. It's so simple. It's so free. I was reading the scripture. I was like, Lord, how am I going to throat punch these kids tonight? This is crazy. Lord, what do I do? He's like, just teach them to love everybody. Teach them to love everybody. Because by the way, I already said this. And I'm going to have Issa come up and we're going to sing some songs. And the rest of the team also. We're going to sing two songs, I believe, after this. James here gives us an, uh, 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 an insight. He says, guys, if you, if you show partiality in anything, you're going to show partiality in everything. 
And you're going to have what he calls there at the end, selective obedience. You're going to find yourself picking and choosing certain sins and certain righteousnesses to obey and walk in. If you're picking, listen, if you're picking, listen, 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 if you're picking people to love and not love, I'll love that person. They might benefit me. They might help me out in my career. Eh, careful, careful. Love them anyways. Love them with or without the benefit that it might bring you. I'm going to love this person. They have no benefit to me. They're homeless. They're, they're traveling. They have no gifts. Guess what I'm going to do? Honor them. And I'm going to love them. And what James tells us, that if you fulfill this law, you're going to fulfill every law. But if you break this law, you've broken every law. James 2.10. For if you say, oh, I don't want to commit adultery, but I'll commit murder. Well, you're guilty of all because you've offended the lawmaker. By the way, there's great freedom in James 2.10. James 2.10 essentially says, we've all blown it. We've all sinned. We, we've kept some of the law. Raise your hand if you've kept some of the law. Like you did, a, you know, okay, like you stopped at the stop sign today. You stopped at the stop sign, you know, good job. I got pulled over here one time on campus for anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's a different story. But we've broken, each and every one of us, the law. James could speak with such authority. Listen, not because of his authority, but because of Jesus and his authority. He's speaking on behalf of the Lord of glory. So to you who are believers here, this is crazy. Listen, buckle up. The Lord of glory has saved you. He's asked you to love people in his name. I hope you can get this through your head because I was very insecure as a young Christian. I don't want to serve anybody. That's weird. I'll let other weirdos do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to step out. I don't want to come up like Abby and give my testimony. I don't want to do that. That's weird. Until finally the Lord said, Luke, you want to do your, you want to just do your way? You want to do your way? So yeah, I want to do it my way. So, <laughs> you know, sirens, cops, parole officers, jail time, wreckage. Until I finally said, okay, Lord, man, loving myself, doing it my way, Lord, it hurt me, it hurt you, and it hurt others. Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to give my life to you and I want to live for your glory and for others' good. Lord, would you take me as I am? And the Lord restored me right then and there and began to use me for his glory and for others' good. And that's my, my heart every single day. Lord, can you use this fool? Can you use me? Just like he used his brother. It's early in the term. I'm, I'm blessed. Fall retreat's coming up. God has such good things in store for you. say something a little dangerous with or without your participation okay God's going to keep loving on this campus he's going to keep doing stuff he invites you to participate though he says hey would you just love people just do it don't be so insecure don't be so about yourself don't worry about what they're thinking about you they're not thinking about you they're thinking about themselves and you can think about them and bless them in that way don't worry about that you're going to fulfill the royal law if Peter blew it you will too. You're going to blow it tonight. As soon as we're done, you're going to go to your best friend or the person that you have a crush on, talk to them. Hello. Oh, it's nice to see you here. It's fine. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. But the Lord will give you opportunities to love others unconditionally. Let's, let's pray real quick. 
turn the lights down. Guys, I just want you to make a decision tonight in your heart, a very simple decision. Lord, help me not to live for myself and my own selfish interest, but Lord, for your will and for the best interest of others. That's simple. Just to say, Lord, help me to do that. I'm probably going to blow it. I'm probably going to wake up selfish tomorrow. I'm probably going to leave here tonight thinking about myself and who my girlfriend is or who my boyfriend is or who loves me or what my future holds. Lord, I'm just so prone to this thought process. I'm so sorry. I just, I think this way. Please help me. Guess what? He will help you. He will help you. And just like running a marathon, just like running a race, it's not going to just be over in one or two steps. It's going to be the rest of your life. But I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you're, if you're here tonight and you're like, you know what, I want to love people better. I just, I'm so selfish now that I think about it. Dang it. And I'm a Christian trying to keep the law, but I don't really, the, the two greatest commandments, I don't really think about that that much. I'm kind of worried about looking at stuff on the internet or doing drugs or getting drunk. I'm kind of worried about these other outside peripheral issues that seem to be a real big problem in my life. And they're always taking me down, but wonder if that's not really the problem. One of the problems is I'm not really surrendered to God. I'm not really surrendered to the king. I'm not really part of this Lord of glory. And I want to give it all to him. If that's you tonight, you're right where you're at. Would you, by faith, just, just put your hand up right now. Say, I want to give it all to Jesus tonight. Lord, I don't want to be in the crazy cycle anymore. I don't want to walk in this, this lukewarmness, double-mindedness. I don't want to do it. I want to be all in. Would you help me, Jesus? And when you raise your hand, you're not promising Jesus you're never going to fail. Instead, what you're saying is, Lord, I want to do this, but I know I can't on my own. So please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can be the son or daughter you've made me to be and love others and fulfill this royal law. Put your hand up if that's you right now, just put it up there. Nobody's looking and just up between you and the Lord. Put it up there and hold it up there so that the Lord might see you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name you would bless those who raise their hand. And if you haven't yet, do it right now. Just say, yeah, Lord, use my life. Don't let me get taken advantage of any longer by the enemy living for myself. Forgive me. Maybe you need forgiveness tonight. Keep your hand up. Just worship the Lord in this way. Maybe you need forgiveness tonight. You know you've erred. You know your root system's not deep enough. You're just being carnal and weird. And you're like, ah, yeah. Lord, return to me the joy of my first love. Would you just raise up your hand if that's you? Or if your hand's already up, just put your other hand up. Just get wild, get crazy. Lord, I, I got a mic in one hand, so I can only put one up. But my hand's up too, because I know the battle. Forgive me my sins, Lord. Please forgive me. Make me more about you, less about myself, Lord, for your glory and for others' good. You can put your hands down. I'm going to have everyone stand up at this time. We're gonna turn the lights down a little bit more in the back. They're kind of still bright. Maybe they need to stay up. I don't know. We're gonna sing some songs. And if you need prayer, if you just want someone to pray, I'm gonna be right down here in the front row and I'm gonna pray for you. If you want prayer, there'll be some other people to pray. And this is an opportunity for you just to say, yeah, Lord, lead me, touch me, change me, do a work in me. And I'm gonna invite you guys to come up and just kneel down, whatever you wanna do. We're gonna close out the night tonight praying and asking the Lord to do in our hearts what only he can do. Father, would you just bless this time now as we sing to you and respond. I trust you, Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts. Take us where you want. In Jesus' name.